morning, everybody. God bless the state of Tennessee. Come on, God bless the state of Tennessee. Come on, you get what you say, man. We're great. Davy Crockett knew that. Don't you know Davy Crockett? Maybe not. I need to introduce you. Uh, I fly all the time and uh, uh, got my 120 legs in with American last year, so I keep my card because uh, we do so many seminars, do about 80 seminars a year, so I'm a very frequent flyer. And so because I am, I get bumped to first class a lot. I don't have to pay for it because I fly all the time. So I got one of those, you know, executive elite whatever cards because I'm so frequent. And they want me to stay because I write them a lot of checks. And so I get bumped to first class probably about 80, 85 percent of the time. So it's nice. Seats are wider, more comfortable. You know, they serve you food up there and ask if you need anything. Most of you can just take a nap. Nobody bothers you. And so, uh, first class, this uh, elderly gentleman came in because you get to board first. And he comes in, and nice sweater vest, and he comes in, he sits down in the seat next to the window in front, and got his things under, and he just laid his head back and just went to sleep. And uh, everybody else was boarding. Then this young businessman came in, all decked out in a suit, and had his briefcase, and sat down next to him, put his briefcase under, got out of his laptop, and opened it up, and started typing, and began to look over at the elderly gentleman like maybe he knew him. He just kept turning his head, staring at him. I thought, maybe he knows him. Pretty soon, the, the young guy tapped him on the shoulder and said, excuse me, sir. The guy raised his head up and said, yes. He said, you mind if I ask you a question? He said, I fly a lot, and I always like to play a game before we take off. I, I, I'd like to do something if you don't mind. I'd like to ask you a question and see if you can answer it. Then I'll let you ask me a question see if I can answer it. And if I can ask you a question and you can't answer it, you owe me $5. <laughs> but if you can ask me a question and I can't answer it, I'll give you 500 and you can tell the old gentleman's really not enthused about any of this. He was really relaxed, and so he's just staring at him. So uh, he said, uh, do you mind if I ask you a question? And he said, fine. He said, so, sir, tell me, how far is it in miles from the earth to the moon? Pretty common question. I'll make it simple. How many miles is it from the earth to the moon? And the old gentleman just looked at him a minute, just kept staring. Got the real quiet, stuck his hand in his pocket, pulled out a $5 bill, and he handed it to him. <laughs> Turned around, he laid his head back down. And the young guy said, no, wait, 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 <laughs> it's, it's your turn, it's your turn. You get to ask me a question. The gentleman raised his head up, looked at him a minute, and he said, well, it goes up a hill with three legs and comes down with four. And the young guy said, what? He said, well, it goes up a hill with three legs and comes down with four. Laid his head back down. The young businessman is thinking a minute, he's thinking, popped his laptop up, went to Google trying to find out, you know. He's looking at answers. Plane's loading, he can't find anything, gets on his cell phone, calls a couple of buddies. Hey, 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 have you ever heard what goes up a hill with three legs and comes down with four? And nobody can answer. Well, pretty soon they've closed the doors. Please shut down all your electronic equipment. We're about to take off. Guy kind of slams his laptop down. He's saying, doggone, you can tell he's frustrated. Finally, he stuck his hand in his pocket and he pulled out the five one hundred bills and pumped the guy said, Here you go. Little Jim looked up, took it and put it in his pocket, laid his head back down. <laughs> and the young business said, Well, what's the answer? The guy said, what? What's the answer? What goes up a hill with three legs comes down with four? No guy just looked down a minute, stuck his hand in his pocket, pulled out a $5 bill, and he just handed it to him. <laughs> now, there's a reason I'm telling that story. We have entered an age where we are consumed with knowledge. I mean, if you want to know something, you don't need a set of encyclopedias anymore. Man, you got the Internet and cell phone and computers. You want it, somebody will tell you. You can call an 800 number. We are overwhelmed with information, but we don't seem to be very good at anything. You know, we were running the numbers on the family because we teach on the family all the time about how in America, last year's numbers from the census was, you know, one-third of all babies conceived in America will not make it out of their mother's womb. That's a high number. 
39% of all babies who are born in America last year, 39.4% who were born, were born to single moms. So that's 60% of all children born in America either don't make it out or they have no father. 60%. Now, I used to think we were one of the most Christian nations on the face of the planet, but the latest census puts us number three behind Russia and India as the least Christian nation per capita on the face of the planet. We're number three from the top. Well, that can't be right. I've been in church all my life. Most people haven't. Most people in America have not. It is the time for the local church. We have a harvest field we are sitting in the belly button of. The world needs Jesus, and we've got him. we got a job to do, and it's an incredible time. I tell you, I tell Christians, I could not have asked for a better time to be alive than right now. Then the last third of parents or kids who are born are born to parents who are married. Husband and wife. One third of all children born in America last year were born to parents, two parents, husband and wife. But half of those parents will be divorced by the time that child turns 18. Now, what I, the reason I tell you that is the Bible talks about the fight of faith. If you want something, you have to fight for it. You've got to fight for your family. If you've got a good one, you didn't get lucky. If you've got a great marriage, you didn't luck out. If your children are good, you didn't get lucky. You fought for it. You had to overcome stuff and believe God for stuff and resist the devil and, and find some scripture. You don't just get lucky and have something good. The devil's a thief. He's a murderer. He's a liar. And so I realized something. We're going to have to get serious. Now, even us in our own life, we've been trying to expand what we're doing. So uh, I mentioned last year we, we started radio. Actually, we started the planning for radio, and it took about a year to get it all worked out. So we launched in September. We're in uh, 12 cities in America, Albany, New York. We're up in Lexington. It's up there last night. I mean, with some people. And um, because I believe I can reach, I, I think it's better to reach millions than thousands. I thought it's just a math thing, you know. Yeah, we could reach millions, you know. Well, how do we do that? Well, radio. What do you know about radio? I know how to turn the knob on or turn the knob off. That's what I know about radio. So I'm going to have to hire somebody. So we had to hire some people. How do we do this? How do we do it really well? Who's the best at it? Uh, you know, so we realized that Chuck Swindoll's on 2,200 stations. He's the largest radio program in the world. Well, let's go find it. Let's go meet somebody and find out how they did it because they started small. So anyhow, we're going through this process where we're getting a lot of feedback. It's just amazing. People I've never met, people that don't know me, have heard something, they're asking questions. So we've got our own studio now, so we do questions and answers. Denise and I will sit in a chair, and we'll answer about 25, 30 questions, two minutes each. Two minutes. I never want to know what the question is. I don't want to pre-think anything. You know, I want to be instant in, season out. So we've got a moderator and says, Joe, here's the question. A uh, lady's called in and heard her parenting and enjoyed your seminar. And she asked this question. If you could do that over again, if you could go back to the beginning, what are the three most important things you did with your kids? What are the three most important things you taught your children? Of all the things you said you taught them about discipline and getting into college and getting a you know, scholarship and, you know, and having good friends, what are the three most important things you ever taught them? So Denise and I are sitting there looking. I thought, well, you know, i got two minutes and the clock's ticking. So she said, go ahead, Joe. And I said, well, probably the most important thing we ever taught them is about sin. Because sin's where everything went south. Adam and Eve were doing really good. They're in the garden. Uh, food's free. Clothes are cheap. Weather's great. And all of a sudden they sinned, and sin's got death attached to it. So Adam and Eve got fired from their job, evicted from their house. Kids start killing each other. And that's in Genesis. And it sort of goes downhill to Revelation, except the middle of the book where we have Silent Night, Holy Night, We Through Kings of Orinar, and that's a great story. I realize I want you to know about sin. What I want you to know about sin is sin's been dealt with. Jesus came to die for sin. It's been dealt with. Sin should never, ever be a problem for you. You are a believer. Since you're a believer, you can repent quick and you can forgive quick, but you never let the sun go down on your wrath or on your sin. Don't you do it. 
You've been given victory over sin, the thing the world's dealing with, crime, economy, abuse, you name it, all the stuff you read on the news. What is that? And that's a result of sin. The devil wants you to sin, so he has illegal actions to kill you dead. Mentally, socially, financially, he wants to kill you dead. So my kids know your sin's been dealt with by the blood of Jesus. You understand that? Second thing I want you to know is you're anointed to make money. Because you know when you have a lot of kids, you want them to leave. You're trying to get them to leave home. And, and when they leave home, you don't want to have to keep writing them checks. And so I realized I'm going to have to teach and train you earlier. You are anointed to make money. Now this planet is under a curse financially. It did it when Adam sinned. When Adam sinned, thorns and thistles, you got to work by the sweat of your brow. Where did the curse come? In the garden. That's why everybody's struggling financially. It's on the news every day. There's not a newscast. They don't close with bad news about the economy and layoffs and shutdowns and this is in the cost of living and the cost of this. Like, what is it? Well, that happened in Genesis chapter 2. Sin brought the bad economy on this planet. Now, you and I, if you're born again, we've been taken out from under that curse. We don't belong to that anymore. We're in a new kingdom. We're still on this planet. We don't belong to the devil anymore. We belong to God. We're in a new economy. Everything we set our hand to prospers. We think plenteous thoughts. God blesses everything we touch. Our children have wealth and riches in our house. God promised that there's things for us that the world can't have because they're still under the curse. Not us. We've been redeemed from the curse of the law. So I wanted my kids to know you're anointed to make money. I don't care what you're good at. I don't care if you made a D in algebra. I don't care if you can't walk and chew gum at the same time. I don't care if you can't diagram a sentence. I don't care if you flunked every spelling bee. I don't care. You are anointed to make money at something. Some of the richest people in America never made it out of school. Now, I'm an educator. I believe in it. I've got three kids graduating in May, two with their bachelor's, one with their doctorate. It's the final run. Thank God and Greyhound, they're about to all finish. And we're going to go and eat cake and throw stuff at them and celebrate and go home and take a nap. And it's like, praise God. But I said, an education won't get you a job. Your gift gets you a job. Your gift makes room for you, brings before kings, makes you wealthy. God promised to surround you with divine favor. When the boss hates everybody else, they're going to love you because you walk with a shield of divine favor. Just like Daniel and Joseph, I want you to know you're anointed to make money. Don't you ever thumb suck how you can't make money. I can't get a job. They don't give me a raise. Shut your face up. <laughs> I'm going to teach you before you ever leave my home. You're anointed to be one blessed individual. Parents lay up for the children. Children lay up for the parents. You owe us. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. You owe us. <laughs> we birthed you, bathed you, burped you, taught you how to talk and walk, sit down and shut up. We helped you get through, you know, English and algebra and got you into college and paid for your wedding. You owe us. <laughs> now, I say it every time. I said it last year when I was here. We've told our kids every year at Christmas time, never, ever buy anything for us that fits in a box. Don't you insult me. You owe me big time. <laughs> you're laughing I'm serious I'm serious I'm not making this up I can go to Walmart on my own don't you buy me something from Walmart stick in a box with a bow on it if you're going to buy something from mom and I you either drive it up the driveway <laughs> now you're laughing I'm serious I'm serious like, you either drive it up the driveway it better be a cruise going somewhere really nice so just save up and, and our kids did this year Chris Tom yeah, we're, we're saving God bless you I'm glad you don't have anything get it big really big really big then the third thing I wanted my kids to know is nothing good will ever happen in your life unless you say it with your mouth. Life and death in the power of your tongue. All blessing comes through your mouth. And if I don't teach you to control that tongue, hell will descend on you and live with you until Jesus comes to get you. You've got to control your mouth, your tongue. So we did that and we finished it and it was great. We had several call-ins and compliments and so forth. And, and so anyhow, my kids uh, were there in the audience that day when I was doing that thing. And, and one of them said, Dad, we don't ever remember you teaching us that. 
Yeah, that was real embarrassing. Well, I did. Well, when? A lot. Well, I don't remember it. Fine. I'll tell you what. You come to the office Thursday night, we're going to redo it. So, so this is a real simple message this morning, but it's very, very powerful. So I brought my kids back, and, and here's what I told them. It's all printed out, highlighted in yellow. They all got a copy. Now, for the sake of time, I'm going to do it real short. I said, number one, I've taught you about sin. You've been in church since the day you were born. Born again, spirit-filled. You've been on mission trips. And you've been to VBS. and You volunteered. You're in church now. You pay your tithe. You volunteer. You've been in church all your life. You better have learned something when you were there. I said, well, I'm going to bring out the old notes, and I'll give you a new copy of them and update it. So, right, I'm going to just show and tell. I know you can't see it, but just for the sake of show and tell, these two pages, it's called the Sin Nature Summation. These are all scriptures on sin. All the scriptures on sin, no two are the same. I said, I want you to know sin's a major issue. It's why the world's in trouble. Why people are dying and sick and messed up and diseased and famine and broke. Finally, why? Sin. Sin is the reason for all bad things. Sin is the only reason for all bad things. Everything was wonderful until sin. Sin is your enemy. If you don't know that, the devil gets you chasing something that's not your problem. And it's not your enemy. You're chasing the result of it, not the cause of it. So you better get in deep, deep in you that sin is the number one problem. But your sin's been dealt with. So I'll just read a few of these. I'll hold these up right here like this. This is Romans 5.12. All have sinned. Now that makes them sit real quiet. What? All of you have sinned. All of us? Every one of you. You were born with a sin nature. You went astray from your mother's womb, Isaiah said. The first word you learned was no. No. Yeah, you were nasty when you came out. But we've been praying for him, believing God. That's when we got you born again, spirit-filled in a great local church. Start reading your Bible on a daily basis, confessing the word. Why? Because the devil hates the word of God. I like this one, Genesis 4, 1. This is the very beginning, Cain and Abel, first family, sitting there, and you know the deal. Abel's bringing a blood sacrifice. Cain's bringing him Brussels sprouts and cabbage heads. And God didn't like the Brussels sprouts and cabbage heads. He needed blood. So he told Cain he didn't like his sacrifice. Cain pooched his lip out and he got mad. And here's what God said. And this is from the New Living Translation. So what's going on? What's wrong with you, Cain? He said, if you do what's right, you'll be accepted. But since you're not doing what's right, sin is crouching at the door. It desires to have you. God told the first kid ever born on this planet, hey, son, I need to let you know something. Sin's hanging outside the door. It wants you really stinking bad. You must master it. That's an old covenant promise. He told an old covenant kid, you can. I'm not going to tell you what you should do if you can. You can and you must master sin. Otherwise, it's going to kill you dead. And it did. Yeah, he got the mark after he murdered his brother. And it's a whole three chapters of bad stuff. I like this, Romans 3.20. By the law is the knowledge of sin. Now, God knew that Adam and Eve were going to go stupid. He knew they were going to sin. He knew it. And he said, I knew they were going to go stupid. I'm going to get fired from their job, evicted and all that. But he already had a plan. He had a plan to send his son. He told Lucifer in the garden, one day I'm going to come in the flesh and I'm going to take this back. He already had it planned out. But what he realized was sinners don't know to repent. They don't know they're a sinner. Well, nobody knew they were a sinner. So God gives the law. Now, I love the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are really good. We memorized them in the first grade, uh, elementary school, Hickson Elementary, first grade, Miss Morgan, public school. We memorized the Ten Commandments. But no human has ever kept the Ten Commandments outside Jesus. No human has ever kept the Ten Commandments. There are many more, 613 laws. We'll just start with the Ten. The reason God gave the Ten Commandments was simply to show us that we can't keep them. 
That's why he gave them. What is it? You're a doofus and you don't know it. So I'm going to give you 10 things to do this week. See if you can do them. We couldn't do them. Now, if you sin, you're going to have to drag a bull or a goat or a turtle dove or a sheep down to the altar and cut its throat. Now, you're not going to ever be able to build much of a herd. You're going to be slitting the throat every week because you're going to learn you cannot keep from sinning. You have a sin nature. You need to be born again, but you don't know that yet. So let's just start with the law, and we'll see if you can keep it. So for hundreds of years, man, we can't go three days. I can't go five minutes. Man, I just left the temple. I've already sinned forever, got home, done custom blue streak. What is it? You have a sin nature, and God wanted to know, so that's why he gave the law to show them they can't keep it. Thus, silent night, holy night, we through kings of war and are. When Jesus died on that cross, that veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom. Uh, no more sacrifice with bulls and goats. No more turtle doves. No more sheep throat cutting. Why? Once and for all, your sin's been paid for by my son on the cross. If you accept that, you can be born again. Old things will pass away. All things become new. I will make a new creature in Christ. You're saved. You're going to heaven. Your name's in the Lamb's Book of Life. You still have flesh, though, and your flesh is damned. It's going back to dust. 1 John 1, 9 tells believers who are born again in spirit-filled, if you do sin, <laughs> first he said, if you say you don't sin, you deceive yourself. But if you do sin, you're to run boldly to the throne of grace to get mercy and help in time of need. What happens if I do sin? I need to repent real quick by what running right up under God's armpit. Yet when I was a sinner, even a half-born-again sinner, if I sinned, I didn't go to church, so I cleaned my life up. Where you been lately? Well, you know, I just, you know, I didn't, I didn't tell him I'd sinned. What are you trying to? I'm trying to clean my life up. As soon as I clean my life up, read my Bible for, for, for a week and pray every day for seven days, then I'll come back. And we get caught up in this religious idiotic where we're trying to clean our own life up, and you realize you can't. You can't. I need Jesus. I need the blood of Jesus, the grace of Jesus, the mercy of Jesus. I need Jesus. I need God's Son. That's why He sent Him. So when we start going down through this, I give you these other two. I like this. Romans 7 7 said, the law showed me my sin. Who have mercy. I like that right there. The people, watch this, people sin even before the law, and all have died because of that, Romans 5, 13. I like this, 1 John 2, 2, Jesus' sacrifice atones for my sins and the sins of the world. My sin's been covered. I wanted my kids, when you leave home, you better know this, sin will never, 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 ever be a problem for you. You're born again. The blood of Jesus is fresh on the mercy seat. You can take care of sin at a moment of time. Sin will never hold you ever again. It'll never trip you up. It'll never be a reason for anything in your life. Sin's not a problem. I'm, I'm born again. I got the blood of Jesus. I can repent quick, forgive quick. You get that in you, you're going to live a really happy life. I didn't say you'd be perfect, but you're going to realize if you fall, get up quick, the Bible says. So the, the righteous fall seven times a day, they get back up. We're not the perfect people. We're the getting back up people. So I wanted my kids to know, don't you ever, well, I just can't get my whole life together. Of course you can't. Your flesh is stupid and ignorant. That's why you got to be in church, listening to your pastor, fellowshiping with the saints, reading your Bible, meditating on the Word, hanging out with believers. It's all in there. It's kind of like a road map. We don't go to get brownie points. I used to think if you went to church, you got brownie points with God. And God, I hope you noticed I was there today. You know, I was in Sunday school. They put gold star next to my name. I got gold star. I was there. Somewhere there's a gold star. God doesn't give out gold stars. So once I realized my kids know sin's never going to be, and I'll make them quote it to me. Sin a prophet you? No, sir. Why? Blood of Jesus. Thank you. I'll just hit them out. Hey, sin a prophet No, sir. Why? Blood of Jesus. Thank you. You got her made. The devil has no hold in you. He'll try, but he can't find a hold on you because you know about the blood of Jesus. Your sin's been dealt with. 
Number two, now that you're all sanctified and feeling good, I need you to go get some cash. So you get out of my house. <laughs> buy your own card. <laughs> you know, get your own food. So this is called anointed for business. Now this is, this is kind of wild. Now this is a, about a six-hour seminar. I'm going to give it to you in about three minutes here. Let's give you one scripture in it. I really like this. I'm going to go to the book of Mark, chapter 6, verse 3. When Jesus started his ministry, started doing miracles, here's what they said. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all of Jesus' relatives, all of his neighbors, never acknowledged that he was the son of God. Because Jesus was a carpenter. He took over the business when his daddy died. Some people said it was 13, some said it was 15, but for pretty much 15 to 17 years of Jesus' adult life, he ran a business. He's not just a guy in a white sheet and a long ponytail carrying a wooden hammer. Uh, Jesus' business was the local Home Depot. All of his brothers and sisters' mother worked for him. If you've got something you need built from a chair to a table to a door frame to something on your boat, Jesus was the local Home Depot. He did it. He was the carpenter guy. You need it out of wood, that's the man that does it. He's known for it. His daddy did it, and now he took over the business. It's a really big business. People say, where did Jesus get his money? The three and a half years he did ministry. His business was still running. The family was still running it. He still got a paycheck. He was the head of the business because he's the head of the family. Now, listen, he's a stepchild. Now, we, all, we went through this back last January. Jesus is a stepchild, but that didn't matter. It didn't matter. He's still the head of the family because he's the firstborn. So he's running the business. Here's what he did. Now, these are all the stories. If you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all Matthew, Mark, every parable Jesus told was a business parable. Once Jesus started this ministry, he never once ever went back into the synagogue, ever. All of his sermons and meetings and messages were in the public place and in the business place. Jesus went into the world, into the business world, to reach the lost, and he went to businessmen with business stories. So I'm just going to do this real quick. This is a long sermon. I'm just going to read these. These are each one of them. These are all the parables in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, he told a parable about construction. What's that about? Business. I know about business. I construct stuff my whole life. I knew how to collect money, pay bills, do stuff, repair stuff. I need to have a good name. People buy my stuff. It better work. It better not break. I know what it's like to run a business. Somehow, the devil got the church to separate us from the business world. Well, the church is Sunday and the rest of the world is just hanging on until you get back to Sunday again. No, God's in the business world every day, every moment of your life. He's involved with what you're doing. He wants you to succeed in business. He wants your business to prosper. He wants you to get a good paycheck. He wants you to write good paychecks. He doesn't want you going belly up or going under. He wants you to be above and not beneath. He wants you to succeed. Jesus was a businessman. I love this one. This one gets a little controversial. This is John chapter 2, verse 1, winemaking. Jesus, one of the first miracles, he's, he's there at a party, great party. His mama's there, and big wedding feast, and all the caterers are there. Somebody hired a catering crew. They're in serving food and wine. And all of a sudden, somebody came and said, hey, man, we're out of wine. We're out of wine. This bunch is sucking it down, man. They're just guzzling and stuff. We've run out of wine. He said, man, if we don't do something about this, we're never going to get another business. It's going to ruin our reputation. What are we going to do? Well, Mary's listening. And evidently, she knows this family that owns the catering business. She looks at Jesus. Son, help them. Jesus said, it's not time for me yet. Son, help them. So as a good son, he did what his mama said. So you know the story if you've ever read the Bible. He said, well, get your empty pots in there. Bring them in here. Man, I'm telling you. So fill them up with water. What? Just fill them up with water. Well, man, they're panicking because people are thirsty. You know, that's why they're at. Man, we don't have something to them. And so <laughs> fill them up with water. And Jesus went over and laid his hand on them and said, here, take a sip of that. And they dipped in the thing. They sipped and said, man, that's some good stuff. And so they ran it real quick and began to serve all the people whose cups were empty. And they began to say, whoa, man, you saved the best wine for last. 
You say, whoa, Wes is good stuff. Usually they wait till you get drunk and serve you the cheap stuff, but no, you saved the best for last. Most people get lost in the story about the winemaking miracle. The miracle was he helped a business not go belly up. The miracle was he helped a business not go belly up. What would you do today? I helped, a, I helped a catering business not go belly up and get a bad reputation. Because Tom, that party was over, they were handing out business cards. Everybody wanted to hire them. Uh, but you want some wine, this bunch right here, they know what they're doing. That's some good stuff right there. I like this, Mark chapter 4, verse 2. Told the parable about farming, Matthew 13, about treasure hunting. <laughs> well, that's just wild. They were doing it in Jesus' day. He even taught on it. You're kidding. No. Ranching in Matthew 18, verse 12. Management and labor, Matthew 20, verse 1. Family-owned business, Matthew 21, 28. And that's a really interesting thing, family-owned business. Hostile takeovers, Luke chapter 20, verse 9. Return on investments, Matthew 25, 14. Future markets, believe it or not, Luke 12, 34. Crop yield, Matthew 13, 27. Management criteria, Luke 12, 35. Need for observation and research, Luke 14, 24. Misuse of money and bankruptcy, Luke 15, 11. The advantage of leverage, that's a good one, Luke 16, 1. And venture capital in high-risk situations, Luke 19, 11. There is not one parable in the New Testament that doesn't deal with money. Not one. Jesus wants us to succeed. But we separate it. Well, I just want to be holy and go to heaven hope I don't go broke. No, the same God that wants to save you and redeem you from hell wants to prosper you in your business. But if you don't know that, you're not believing for it. I don't pray that. That's just a nasty prayer to pray for money. That's just wrong. Love of money is the root of all evil. Yes, it is. Not money, the love of money. I don't love money. I love getting my needs met. I love my kids getting their needs met. I love leaving money behind to my children and my grandchildren. I want to make sure my employees get good paychecks and we treat them well. I don't love money. I just love what it does. I need my needs supplied. And once you start going through, you realize, hey, God was in the business big time. Now, I'll give you these. Listen to this. Matthew 14, 13. The little boys lunch. They've been out there having a revival for three days, and everybody's belly's grumbling. They've got bad breath. They can peel the bark off a pine tree. The stop said, Jesus, we've got to shut this thing down. Man, we're hungry. There's no local McDonald's, Arby's, nothing. We've got to send these people away and get something to eat. No, man, we got something good going on here. We don't even send them away. So what do we got? We got nothing. We've eaten everything we had and chewed it twice. You know, so we got to have, well, we got a little kid's lunch here. Here, come here, kid, get over here. He's walking through and he had this lunch and got some loaves and fishes. He said, well, I've been, uh, he said, sit everybody down in groups of 50 because we're going to have to kind of measure out this thing. So what? Just sit them in groups of 50. Give me the kid's lunch. Jesus blessed the lunch. He started handing it out. Well, everybody ate till their belly button pooched out. That's in the message translation. <laughs> you want some more? Yeah. No. I'm full, man. That was really good. She said, well, if you're all full, if you 5,000 men plus your wives and kids and grandkids and grandparents, if you're all full, you don't need any more, we'll take up the leftovers. So, boys, grab your basket. Go take up the leftovers. We'll have 12 baskets of leftovers. Well, the kid gets home late that evening. Comes to the door, you know. Mom said, where have you been? Where, well, Mom, you're not going to believe it. It's been a wild day. Where, where's your lunch at? Well, I gave it. You gave your lunch? Well, Mom, calm down a minute. I got something to tell you. Guys, come on in here. And 12 grown men walk in with baskets full of food. What is this? Well, you're not going to believe this. This crazy fisherman was out there on the hillside telling the story. He borrowed my lunch. He broke it and did something with it. And I don't know. And this was what we got left. <laughs> and the point of that story is not that he got angry. Jesus doesn't want anybody investing anything doesn't get a hundredfold return. 
We're not getting returned. The devil's stealing something. The devil's not afraid of me. He's afraid of Christ in me coming out of my mouth. If I'm not doing good, it's not because of sin. My sin's been dealt with. If I'm not doing good, it's not because of anything other than the devil being a thief. And I'm anointed to make money. God said I was or whatever I'm called to do. He wants me to prosper. He takes pleasure in my prosperity. It's in a get rich quick. This is being blessed. And every generation after generation after generation. I like this, and this is the crazy one. Two miraculous catches of fish. That was a wild deal. What's going on? Well, you throw your net over and outside. And I like the tax money. You heard one of the disciples, Peter's gripe one day. What is it? Man, I got no tax money. Tax collectors are coming. Okay. Here, grab that fish out of the water. What? Shut your face up. Get that fish out of the water right there. And they got that fish. What do you want? Open its mouth. You know, <laughs> well, that's your tax money. Go pay your taxes. Any more fish like that? No, you just needed that one. Just come on. Get that thing. Go pay it. Let's go. Every story in the Bible had to do with money. Because the devil, the first thing he did when Adam sinned, he made him broke as dirt. Got him evicted. Thorns and thistles. Worry about this What happened? Financial curse hit this planet when sin came on this planet. And we're trying to help. Like I said, man, you guys need to redo the financial thing. By the way, the marriage thing, if you've not signed up, you need to get some hair on your lip, gentlemen, and put your $20 down. Because most real men are gone. Because if you go, it'll shut your wife up. <laughs> just got out with I mean, it's just, it's just three, three days. I mean, you got 365. Take three days. Go and your wife will suck the lips off your face come the 4th of July. <laughs> or I'll promise you next thing that we should have gone. We didn't go. She'll bring that up till Jesus comes back. Just, <laughs> just go and have a good time. Suck it up and learn something and Make your spouse pucker up. Somebody need to hear that. Anyhow, this is the last one. I told my kids, sin's not going to be a problem. You're anointed to make money. Get out there and get after it. I don't want to hear any thumb sucker. My boss and the company and the economy. That's got nothing to do with you. You've been redeemed from the curse of the law. You don't live under that. If you're doing that, it's because you're choosing to go back and live under it. Because the blood of Jesus took care of that for you. You're blessed and highly favored. You're going to be the head and not the tail. Above and not beneath everything you touch is going to prosper unless you choose to go live stupid or live ignorant. Otherwise, be quiet. Let's go do something. So this is the last. And this has to do with what Pastor shared about your mouth. And uh, you've so much teaching this. This is real good. Call this a blessing. I've got some Catholic friends. We didn't have a lot of Catholics when I grew up in Chattanooga. I had three there in my whole high school that were Catholic that we knew of. And they'd signed your annual with some sappy saying. And it was always the same sappy saying. I thought it was a Catholic saying. I didn't know it was in the Bible. <laughs> so here's what they would sign in your Bible or your, your book. Numbers chapter 6 verse 22. And this goes back and I'll read it out of the passage in Numbers 22. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons to bless the people with this spiritual blessing. It was a command, not a suggestion. Here it is. It's real sappy. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you peace. Now we never get to the next verse in Numbers. Numbers 27 says this, Whenever Aaron and his sons bless the people of Israel in my name, God says, I myself will bless them. God, when are you going to bless us? When you say it. God, when are you going to bless my business? When you say it. God, when are you going to bless my marriage? When you say it. God, when are you going to bless my children? When you say it. God watches over his word to perform it, not us. Somebody's got to say the word of God. Let the redeemed of the Lord 
say so. Let the poor say, I'm rich. Let the weak say, I'm strong. We are the redeemed of the Lord. We need to start saying what God says, not what we're looking at. We don't need any more newspaper editors from hell. There's plenty of those. Somebody needs to break out front and wax prophetic. I'm going to say what God says, not what I'm looking at. Now, I like this. This is the Hebrew dictionary on the blessing, about speaking of blessing. Right out of the Hebrew dictionary. It says that blessing is an impartation of the supernatural power of God into a human life by the spoken word by God's delegated authority. I tell people, I don't care if you just cussed your kids out on the way to church this morning, on the way home, speak a blessing over them. And you don't have to do it, but your past, what do you do with your past? Repent real quick, put it on the blood. It's not what, I know what you did, what you said. I don't care what I did and said. That's under the blood. I'm going to tell you what I am going to say. I don't care if you fought husband and wife all the way down here and you think, that's it, I'm leaving you after church. I'm leaving you. Well, just get out of church and say, you know something? I just believe the love of God shed around your hearts by the Holy Ghost. God bless you. God bless you. You ignorant, no good, north. God bless you. <laughs> Don't put those adjectives in there. <laughs> if you're here today, you are God's delegated authority. Parent, single parent, divorced parent, married, not married, you are God's delegated authority. Blessing will come into your life the minute you choose to say it and not until. Somebody's got to reverse the curse, start saying what God said. So I told my kids, you leave my home, you better get your mouth running in the right direction, or the devil will get you be a, the devil will make you a billboard from hell. Nothing good, everyone, I never had a break, and nobody can give me a break. I can't get a date, nothing good in my life. <laughs> so I'll give you this, this is the closing. There's about 24 scriptures, I'm just going to give you six right here. Genesis 1:28. God made Adam and Eve, and then he blessed them. He didn't give them a nice saying. He blessed them. They chose not to stay under the blessing, but God blessed them. It was really good. I like this. Genesis 12, 1, God told Abram, go and leave her, the Chaldees, and go to this land. When you get there, I will bless you. Why? Well, when you're willing and obedient, you eat the good of the land. When you get there, I'll bless you. When you do what I say, I'm going to bless you. Of course, he did, you know, the land of milk and honey. I like this. This is Genesis 27, 30. This is Isaac blessed Jacob and not Esau. Isaac's old and blind, he's about to die. And before the Hebrew fathers would die, they would have the eldest son go out, get them, fix their favorite game, shoot it, come back, make their favorite meal. He would eat it. Then the old dying father would lay hands on the eldest son and pass the blessing on to the next generation. So to him, son, I'm about to die. Go out and give me some game, make my meal. I'll lay my hands on blessing. Well, what we all know is three months earlier, Esau had sold that blessing to his brother Jacob for a bowl of beans. It was a legal transaction. He sold his birthright for a bowl of beans. All of a sudden, Mama knows that. He starts heading out in the wilderness to get some game. Mama brings Junior in there. Come here, son. We're going to do something. She fixed Dad's favorite meal. She killed an old goat and wrapped Jacob's arms in old nasty goat skins, put skank goat smell on it. So take this into your dad. So he walks and Hey, Dad, I got your food. Man, you got back here quick. Hey, bring it over here. I said, Here it is. I said, Boy, you sure don't sound like Esau. Come here, let me touch him. He sticks his old hairy goat hair arms out and touches that nasty goat hair. Yeah, you sure smell like him. All right. And so he ate the food. He said, lay down here and sit it and kneel down. He laid his hands on and he blessed, put the blessing on Jacob. The Bible says as soon as Jacob left the tent, Esau walked in. Hey, Dad, I'm back. What? I'm back. I got, got your meat. I'm going to cook you food. I just ate my food. You couldn't have. I just got back. I just ate the food and I just blessed you. You didn't bless me. I wasn't here. And Isaac realizes he's been duped. Uh-oh, I blessed your brother. Bless your, my brother, well, you got to bless me. 
Now, you can read it in any translation you want. He did lay his hands and speak a nice word over me. He said, I can't bless you, son. The blessing is not a nice saying. It is a tangible anointing that goes from one generation to the next. I gave it to your brother. He has it. Now, I'll try to say something nice, but the blessing has been passed on. Every one of you sitting here today, I don't care who you are or how you live, you're the anointed one to pass on the blessing to the next generation. I don't care if your kids live in Australia and you haven't spoken in 20 years. You get out of church, call them up. They're going to answer the phone. Hello? Hey, son. Who is this? That's you, Dad. God bless you. Hang up. Just, I, no, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just get it in there. God bless. They'll call back. What? What kind of stupid? What was that? God bless you. Hang up again. Just keep saying bless you and hang up on them. It'll mess them up because the anointing's on you to speak the blessing over them. And things are going to start to change. And they'll come back home, hug your neck, write you a check probably, buy you a Winnebago. You think I'm being funny? I'm not. I'm telling you how it works. We just made gains out of it. I like this. Genesis 28, verse 14. He said to Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your children. Whoa. This is Mark 10, verse 16. And Jesus took children in his arms. He laid his hands on them and he blessed them. I see this. My King James Bible has a picture of this. Jesus in his white sheet sitting on a big rock. And parents are lined up down the hill bringing their children to sit on Jesus' lap. Like he's Santa Claus. It's Christmas time. And we're going to tell Jesus what we want and get us candy cane. That's not what's going on. Rome has taken over Israel. Most men have been killed, tortured, murdered, nailed to crosses upside down. Hell has landed on the Jewish race. What are you doing? We're going to go down and see this water walker guy. Who is that? Well, that's the son of God. How do you know? Well, I just believe he is. I saw the other day, I said, I got one of those 5,000 happy meals. I was there when he, ra he raised birth his dead kid the other day at that funeral. I saw that. I saw that crazy blind man got eyeballs now. That's him. That's the one. He is the Son of God. And they lined up to bring their children. Why? We don't need a nice saying. We need the creator of the universe, the Son of God, to lay his hands on our children and bless them. We need God to lay his hands on our children and bless them. We're living in hell. we got to get out of this. How do we get out of hell? We need somebody who has the anointing to lay their hands on our children and bless them so we can come out from under this. Very tangible. And I give you the last I like. This is Luke 24, verse 50. Jesus has come out of the grave. A lot of formerly... Famous dead people came out with them. A lot of your relatives came out if you lived back then. It'd be like, you'd be walking around Jerusalem. All of a sudden, it's like, hey, hey, that looks like Uncle Frank. Is that Uncle Frank? And he died 20 years ago. That can't be Uncle Frank. Sure looks like it. And you go, hey, you know, I got an uncle that looks like you. Hey, son, how you doing? Like, dear God, it's Uncle Frank. A lot of former dead people came out of the grave with Jesus and walked around for several days. Then Jesus walked outside the town one day. He said, come on, boys, going out here. And he's out there talking to them. And all of a sudden, a cloud formed. And he's lifting Jesus up into heaven. He's going home. Came, he died, he's been raised to death. He's floating up. And they're all waving. And here's the Son of God that created the 93 billion known galaxies. Now, what last thing could he possibly share? He's the creator of the universe. The beginning, the end, the Alpha Omega. What if yeah, I got one last thing I could tell him. See, what would I tell him if I had one last thing I could share? What would I share? The Bible says that he was lifted up into heaven on a cloud. He blessed them. I'm not trying to give a nice saying. I don't want to, hey, God bless you. No, I'm not talking about a sappy saying. I'm talking about a tangible anointing you have to pass on to the next generation. Because I don't know how the devil did. I had kids. Shut up. Sit in. My, you're not going to melt the hill of beans. Dear God, you're just dumb in the dirt. Don't even know why we had you. 
I was one of those parents. I've said every damnable curse you can imagine. I'll be glad you're out of the house. I'll tell you right now. Then all of a sudden you found out you got what you said. Oh, Father in heaven, we've got to plead the blood and bind the devil and do some repenting. And I began to change. And I wrote my two older kids because I'd messed them up because I'd spoke every nasty damnable thing you could imagine. I realized, what would you get? What I said. I mean, Denise kept telling me, she's getting what you say. Like, help me, Father. I wrote them a letter. I didn't give it to them. I left it in the glove compartment suburban. We were going somewhere and months went by. Denise called. She said, what did you do? I didn't do nothing. What do you mean what did I do? What did you do? The kids are here and they're squalling. They're just crying their eyes out. I didn't know what it, well, they found the letter that I'd written to him. I wrote a letter, apologized to my two oldest for being a horrible father, doing the wrong thing, saying the wrong thing, said, I'm going to change. I won't change overnight, but I promise you, I'm going to be a great blessing to you. I'm going to be like Santa Claus stuck upside down in your chimney. You're going to finish really good. And I repented to them. Well, they got it, and they read it, and said, they're just crying because I, I repented to them. I'm saying, Praise God, that's a good letter. Now, you're going to have to do it. On purpose when you go home. Sometime in the next 24 hours, your kids are at home. I don't care if you got a two-year-old. You know, before they're screaming, trying to get them out in the car, lay your hands on them. God bless you, son. Lay your heads on your adult kids. Hey, I just want them to say God bless you. You don't have to go into a long deal. You, know, you can if you want to. Keep it short. Our theology got messed up because we got away from the Word of God. That's why we got to be in church. We are in Baton Rouge, Louisiana about four months ago. And I got a good pastor friend of mine down there. And, uh, been involved in all kinds of stuff. Uh, became very wealthy. I said, how'd you become wealthy? He said, well, my dad ran a swap shop. And so we bought and sold new stuff, lawnmowers. My dad knew how to fix engines. So we bought and sold engines. He didn't have an engine, we'd fix it, motorcycles. And so we made pretty good money on the side at our swap shop. And so he got to, we'd buy a tractor every now and then, fix it and resell it. And so, uh, so he picked up his dad's hobby of buying and reselling tractors. Now, I think last year he sold 83. 83 tractors. I won't tell you how much he made, but it's a chunk of chunk of money. Not as a pastor, but selling, buying and selling tractors. And we were down there. He had to get up. He said, I got 2 o'clock last morning because a guy in Michigan bought one of my tractors. Big old Kubota he had. Came all down here in the trailer, and the tire went flat. Made to get his flat fixed. But he took that tractor back because nobody gets a better deal on a tractor than I do. I have an anointing to buy and sell tractors. So he's telling his testimony. He said, you know, when I was a kid, I was in a Catholic school. And uh, Catholic schools are bad. Nuns are mean. It's not. Just beat the dog out of it. And uh, he said, we see the fourth or the fifth grade, and one of the boys in this class, he said, was just mean as snot, just mean. Nuns were beating on him every day, man. He was just mean. And so uh, we're staying there at the Catholic school in the dorms. And so finally, I don't know what led to it, but one day we were ending class, and this kid just got another beating. So, so he's crying. He's trying to change. He's trying. He's not doing it to but he's trying to change. So he tells the nun. So the nun had said so. So, sister, you're telling me. You're telling me. If I'm being good, if I'm being good for six weeks, God get me a bicycle? Because he didn't have a bicycle. He wanted a bicycle. He was a poor kid. Said so the sister said, that's right. If you'll be good for six weeks, you've got to get you a bicycle. Now, I haven't found the chapter and verse on that. I don't know where she got it, but she told him. So, so they come back to the dorm. They're going to change clothes and go eat dinner. So, you know, this dorm, old dorm, old double stacked bunk beds everywhere. So, so this kid never prayed, Pastor said. He's just mean. So we go back. We're changing our clothes to go eat dinner. And the kid goes over, gets down on his knees in his bunk. And he folds his hands, he looks up at the top bunk, he says, God, God, if I'm be good for six weeks, will you get me a bicycle? So we all just went quiet because the kid never prays. He's just mean. The first time we ever heard him pray, so we're just staring at him like he's there and knelt down asking for a bicycle. So I said he got quiet a minute. He just kept staring and said, okay, forget that, God, forget that. Okay, God, if I can be good for three weeks, if I can be good for three weeks, if I'm good for three weeks, you get me a bicycle? And he just kept staring at that upper bunk, and all of a sudden he said, 
Okay, forget that, forget that. Okay, God, God, one week. If I can just be good for one week. Now, we didn't know until afterward. He was thinking, there's no way I'd be good for six weeks. I can't be good for three weeks. So he's got it down to one. So he said, God, if I can be good for one week, you get me a bicycle. And he's serious. Man, we're just staring. He said, if I be good for one week, you get me a bicycle. All of a sudden, he looked over, and on the dresser, every dorm dresser had a statue of the Virgin Mary. So he's just staring over at it. And all of a sudden, he got up, and he walked over, and he grabbed the statue of the Virgin Mary, brought her back to his bed, wrapped her in a blanket, and shoved her under the bed. He got back down on his knees and said, God, if you ever want to see your mother again, you better get me a bicycle. <laughs> now, every one of us have pulled that at some time in some way. Now, God, I'll, probably, if I'll go to church for a month. Will you bless me? God, if I do this, will you bless me? Listen to me. God has already given us all blessings that pertain to the life of God and through his son, Jesus. I'm not asking him to bless me. I'm receiving what's already been given to me. It's a revelation. It's not information. You and I are blessed and highly favored in here today. So if you want to do three things this year, just three, find you a couple of scriptures on sin and realize your sin's been dealt with. Just repent quick and forgive quick. Your business, quit gum flapping about it. You're anointed to make money. God said so. He promised he'd prosper. You're anointed to make So start saying it. Then number three, quit saying bad things about yourself, your life, your business. Start saying what God says. God, I'm surrounded with a shield of divine favor. People like me don't even know why. I'm the head, not the tail above, but not beneath. All of my children are going to be successful upon this planet. Wealth and riches will be in their house. They're going to bring great, great honor to the family name. Lord, the love of God shed abroad in Denise and hearts by the Holy Ghost. We're going to make people jealous. We are so in love. People are going to ask us about the hope that's in us. That woman's going to suck the lips off my face till Jesus comes. I'm going to be one incredibly thankful man. You've got to start saying with God, well, dear God, I'll tell you right now, I love you and you love me and you shut up. I'm going to shut up. Hell's coming. Shut hell off. And watch the windows of heaven open up. Amen. Let's stand up. We're going to pray.